welcome to the Techniconnect Automotive Podcast, aimed at inspiring the next generation of EE-related talent to choose a career within our space, whilst also supporting the current EE talent pool in making key career decisions. In each episode, we interview industry leaders to discuss their unique career paths, advice for those starting out in the automotive industry, as well as important issues currently impacting the sector. My name is Ferris, and I'm responsible for connecting automotive businesses to the best EE-related talent. Today we have David Romick from Remac Technologies joining us in the studio. I think it's a fair statement to say that Remac as a company took the market by storm, especially with the release of the Nevera, which David has been a key player. In Croatia, especially before the emergence of Remac and Bugatti Remac now, the automotive career opportunities were very limited. So it's remarkable to see an engineer join an automotive company, ultimately with no industry experience, then to contribute to the success of the Nevera and other related supplier projects, such as the Aston Martin Valkyrie BMS project. In this episode, we'll receive some valuable insights into David's engineering principles, his mindset and leadership approaches, and we'll also get David's take on what the predictions are for the automotive industry for the next few years. David, welcome to the pod. How are you? I'm fine, Ferris. How are you? Yeah, I'm good as always. I'm good as always. It's good to have you. Good to have you on. Um, look, we'll start the pod. And let's understand a little bit more about David outside of work before we jump into your career. Talk talk through, you know, what who is David outside of work? <laughs> who is who is David outside of work? Yeah, that's that's a very good question. Um, yeah, let's 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 go uh, like this. So I'm I'm 30 years old. I live in Zagreb, Croatia, where I was born. I'm currently employed in uh, Rimas Technology. Um, I've studied electrical engineering. I went uh, to a math high school. Uh, I love sports, uh, doing more than watching. Uh, used to play the guitar, so that <laughs> that sums it up. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good. And for me, um, you know, is there anything that you're passionate about outside of work? Uh, my passions outside of work. Um, well, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I remember when we when we. Uh, when we had a, a similar conversation, what, what it is that you do? Like, what are your hobbies? I, I remember saying, like, a lot of my hobbies are now propended with, like, I used to. You know, I used to play the guitar. I used to be in a band. I used to run. I used to play basketball and stuff like this. But nowadays, nowadays, I guess, uh, it's mostly, you know, stuff like uh, travel, hanging out with friends, uh, you know, going to the gym, some sports activity here and there. Um, I recently got into some other hobbies, like, you know, sim racing, like, majority of this industry does and majority like majority of my colleagues and stuff like that so yeah uh nothing nothing i'm i'm too overly obsessed about as of late but used to be obsessed about a lot of stuff <laughs> I, I can imagine i can imagine so to the listeners who don't know you know uh obviously with your experience at remac let's strip it right back let's go through your career going back to like student days talk through you know how how you've uh how you've ultimately built your career from ground up if, if you don't mind if you can give us a, an overview yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, my career, yeah, I think it also it started way back. Um, I, I think I got like this obsession with computers when I was a kid. Uh, I remember being in early uh, early uh, years of elementary school, and I, I also remember saying like when I was ten, I'm gonna study electrical engineering. Uh, like I'm gonna I'm gonna program computers. It was it was it, it goes really far back. And then you know years have passed. I I did. Uh, 
the interest didn't didn't wane in any way and it actually got stronger and stronger so when the time came uh, I enrolled in the local university uh, University of Zagreb in the faculty of uh, electrical engineering and computing um, it was at that time I think in the second semester we got a class called uh, computer architecture that uh, goes uh, really goes into the basics of like uh, you know uh, uh, how, how does how does a computer op- how does a, a, a microprocessor work? And I remember at, at that time, so like my second semester, saying, "Oh, I want to do this." And uh, I also remember uh, not 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 much after that, I uh, got introduced to my to my uh, thesis mentor. So we, you know, you get to you get to uh, the way it works. We got to let's say got linked with professors very early, uh, you know, some initial contacts, some kind of seminars and stuff like this. And I remember one of my, my mentor who was my bachelor thesis advisor and my master thesis advisor as well. And who I can even call a good friend nowadays, a couple of years later, uh, he was doing this, he was doing exactly what I wanted to do. He was doing embedded and that coupled with my uh, interest in automotive kind of steered me into what I am today. So, you know, used to be a kid who liked cars, who was really much into computers, and then this uh, class of, uh, you know, computer architecture, it just a com- a building blocks. You know? And then it ended up, okay, you you like computer architecture, you like embedded, you like cars, obviously you're going to do ECUs. Yeah, yeah, just like this. It's all coming together. Yeah, and I, I there's a fun fact. I remember, like, I had to do, like, uh, a report uh, that I got from from the, from my mentor, Hrvoje, and I remember, like, the first feedback from him was, like, okay, good, not bad, but you talked about the cars instead of the microprocessors the whole time. So, like, you know, dial it down and talk a bit more about tech, like, less about the cars. Uh, so, I think I think at that point it was pretty evident what I'm going to do with, with the rest, with, I don't know about the rest of my life, but for the next couple of years, for sure. Absolutely. So, you, you finish your studies, but your first role... If I remember rightly, it wasn't it wasn't automotive, was it? No, no, no. Uh, to be honest, so um, I remember like when I was on my second, third year. That was almost ten years ago. Um, I, I got to thinking. So okay, you know. Also, one one other fun 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 fact. I'm a big fan of a BMW. Um, and I thought, okay, so I'm gonna study. I'm gonna move to to Germany to Bavaria, and I'm gonna work from BMW. Um, and then I kind of gave up on the idea. I said, ah, I don't want to move from Croatia. I don't want to move out of Croatia. Um, and then I worked in IoT in a really, really cool company uh, that grew also since I left. So my first job was in IoT, in kind of industrial, let's say. Um, it's about that time that Rimac was kind of making, uh, taking the stage, so to speak. You know, and I was still, I, I'm going to admit this, I, I've said it before, I, I was kind of skeptical, you know, like making cars in Croatia, like really, it yeah. doesn't make a lot yeah. of sense, like no one did that, like, <laughs> no. like last, yeah, the last car made in, in this in this region was Yugo, uh, so uh, as I said, I, I was a bit skeptical, but then uh, sometime uh, I got a call, I got a message on LinkedIn uh, from, from uh, our HR uh, team, from Sara, so... Uh, I have to shout out to Sara. She's she's <laughs> uh, she's the main uh, culprit for what I am and who I am today. I I, I owe a lot to her. Uh, so I got the message. And I remember I go, like, okay, I'm gonna. It's it's a small it's a small country. It's a small industry. I'm gonna meet the guys. And I was blown away. Uh, I remember going there. It was 
uh, October of 2017. It was a late night meeting. Uh, the the company was empty. I was greeted there by by Sara uh, and Matija Renić. Um, Matija was at that time he held my position. He was the head of head of embedded software. Nowadays he's a chief engineer for Nevera. And uh, Matija won me over. Like, yeah, I, I, he, he had me. The moment he <laughs> he spoke, he, he started uh, talking about what 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 does Rimac do. Uh, so you know, we we from outside, you know, bits and pieces. Like at that time, there was only Concept One. Uh, you heard about some kind of projects that they were doing about some OEMs, but like nothing was really making the news or anything. And then seeing it from inside, it was I, I was blown away, and I I made my decision. Then and there, I didn't tell them. I I, no, no. I played hard to get, uh, <laughs> but in truth, I, at that meeting, I said, "Okay, I'm going to work here. I like it. This is this is really cool." Brilliant, brilliant. So let's talk through the the journey, Remat, because obviously there's a, a big story to be to, to yeah, be said here. Yeah, so five years. We, yeah. Day day one, you turn up. You know, talk me through of of what that was like. Did it live up to the expectations of your dream of working in automotive? And, and talk talk me through how you've how you've ultimately progressed your career. Yeah, so uh, I mean, I, I didn't really know what what I was getting into. Um, to be honest, I, as I said, like they just won me over. I, I saw like uh, a bunch of cool equipment. I saw car parts everywhere. I saw a guy who was you know willing to to have an interview with me at six seven p.m. when the office was empty. I remember uh, there was like the company was roughly two hundred fifty people back then. Uh, now it's over two thousand, and there was like. It was very late, seven or eight. There were a couple of guys in in the in the assembly room, a couple of guys in the office, and I, I remember Mate was also there. Um, and he, I remember like shaking hands with him. Wow, you're gonna join us? Like, uh, take it easy, maybe. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Still playing hard to get. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, um, as I said, I decided to join. I started working a couple of months later. Uh, I wanted to let's say honor my commitments in my previous company. Who I'm still in very, uh, very. I have a very good relationship with my, you know, even though it's been five years. As I said, it's a, it's a small, it's a small world, it's a small industry. Uh, but anyways, I I joined like a couple of months later. I started in uh, at the end of January 2018. I started as an embedded software engineer, uh, and the time when I joined was probably um, I remember joining and just being overwhelmed with the amount of information. Like oh we are in talks with uh, you know the stuff that wasn't public you know, stuff that was I think like a month after I joined we had uh, the all hands meeting uh, where like two hundred and fifty three hundred of us uh, went to went to uh, back then we could fit in one place in in our own facilities and uh, it was being presented oh we're gonna do this we're gonna unveil C two uh, at the Geneva Motor Show, we are uh, in talks with. Fin- we are finalizing the investment with Porsche. Uh, uh, we are in talks with these and these OEMs. And I remember, like, holy crap! I like this is even this is even bigger than I than I than I thought. Yeah. As I said, you know, from the outside, it looked like okay, they're doing something. It, they might close shop at any moment. Then when I had like the first real uh, meet and greet on, on site, like, oh my god, this is really cool. And then. After joining, like holy crap, this is this is huge. It's yeah. Back then, uh, I remember like wow, I, I, this is this is even more serious. This is even better than than what I thought. Um, so yeah, a couple of months passed. I started working on, and at that time, as I said, you know, investments coming in, a huge hiring spree. Um, 
And as I said, I, I got I joined uh, at the right time, and I I was given this opportunity. Uh, it was a huge risk uh, on on part of the uh, then management of embedded software. They saw something in me. I still don't know what, uh, <laughs> because uh, I, I was there for a very brief period, and they was like they were like, uh, "Would you like to take over a team?" And I was like fresh out of college, basically. Uh, well, actually, at that point, I, I remember I still had like uh, I still had to submit my master's thesis, so I wasn't I, I didn't even have That's a student. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, like, would you like to take over a team? Like, sure. Uh, like, oh, you're gonna you're gonna be in charge of battery management system. And I remember, oh, cool, cool, battery management system. Well, what does it do exactly? Like, <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. I can I can I can tell from the name, but like it's. What does it exactly do? So I, I had no, I had no clue what I was getting into. It was also, but I had like the same internal monologue myself. Like, well, if I say no, like, will I get an opportunity like this? Um, so I said, you know, screw it. I'm gonna jump, jump head in, and we'll see where it takes me. And I remember, like, then two months later, it was as I said, I joined in January, and in May, I was flying to Aston Martin. And uh, it was the beginning of the Valkyrie program. Like we just delivered the first battery uh, to them. Uh, they were installing it into a, a rig. So there was no mule. There was no prototypes or anything. We're just hooking it up. We went to Cosworth to install it, to to hook it up to an engine, to the transmission and, and so on. Uh, but the point is like I, I spent 10 days there. Uh, and that's something I, I can admit now, five years later. But I had no clue what I was doing. Uh, I just had it was what we call like uh, a fiery baptism, basically. It's like you, you, you either come alive or you, you say goodbye. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I spent ten days there. I survived. I came back and started. You know, at that point, I started to get the grasp of the job. Well, what it is, I started. Back then, it was like me and two or three more guys. Um, so very small team. Um, and then, as I said, the ball got rolling in the investments, other projects. Uh, we started like a year later, we got an investment from Hyundai. Uh, there was like uh, a million projects. I remember we were doing concept studies for each and every OEM in existence, feasibility studies for, you know, for example, Ferrari, for AMG, for uh, Seat, for, you know, you name it. Um, yeah, so that was like, you know, 2018, 2019. And then also in 2019, as I said, like this period of rapid growth, I think in, so when I joined, it was less than 300. In 2019, it was close to like 700 or something like this. Uh, so, you know, doubling basically uh, year over year over year. And then another restructuring uh, and then another opportunity. I, I guess they were satisfied with what I did. And in 2019, yeah, <laughs> in 2019, I got asked uh, by by my manager uh, back then. Say, I mean, my my manager, who's still my manager, same guy who. Uh, so Tomislav, you know Tomislav, right? Uh, Tomislav asked me in 2018, "Hey, do you want to take uh, take over the team?" And then in 2018, "Hey, do you want to take over the department?" Um, and I again, same logic. I said, "Well, if not now, then when?" Uh, you know, I, I'm gonna learn it if I <laughs> if I'm, I'm gonna figure it out. Uh, and it was back then where, when, so it was in the middle of 2019, uh, when we were uh, assembling the Nevera prototype, I remember that vividly, uh, is when I also took over uh, embedded software development as, as a whole. So up until that, I was in charge of the battery management systems. And then, as I said, I got, I got responsibility, uh, uh, a bit more responsibility with the um, 
the powertrain development, so uh, traction inverter, uh, there was onboard charger as well, um, what was the low voltage ECUs, you know, body controllers, vehicle control, chassis controls, stuff like this, uh, you know, in- integration of the components, uh, uh, things I knew, honestly, uh, back then also, I knew very little about that. Um, but, uh, what I was lucky is, uh, is that I had a very good team, young team. We were all just a bunch of, as I said, I'm 30 now. So four years ago, I was 26, 27. Yeah. It was, it was like took over the department of 20, 20 something people, but I was lucky that, um, I had team leads. I had, uh, the guys who were very enthusiastic, who are still in the department today. So we are, let's say very mature team, uh, four years later. Uh, still the same people running the running the things. Uh, we of course we grew a lot. We quadrupled since 2019. Um, but let's say the the leadership, the management is they it, it stayed solid. So um, yeah, that that was that was uh, that that's what made it easy. Uh, to be honest, is that I I had confidence uh, that with the guys and girls. Uh, that I had in the team, the other managers, uh, that we can we can you know grow and deliver everything that was expected in us in, in, from us in the next four years. It it was it was tricky uh, the all the way well up until today. It's it's always challenging, but 2019 and 2020 especially and 2021, it was tricky. We had we had this huge growth. We had to deliver on several projects. We signed a lot of new projects. Um, Nevera was entering series production, so we started delivering, uh, you know, uh, the cars actually went through 2020 and 2021. Uh, they started, they were doing a lot of test runs all over the world. And in 2022, we delivered the first cars to our customers. Uh, and now we are rolling this salad. We're, you know, still trying to figure it out, still trying to close, close up all the, all the gaps, roll out all the features, features that are missing and so on while growing, while, you know, uh, improving things and so on. So yeah. It was very tricky, so I also want to say a shout out to my team, uh, shout out to everyone, to the team leads. Uh, they did an amazing job, made my job that much easier. You know, looking back at that period, because so much has happened in such a short space of time, and then the, the bring up of your skill set has been a huge acceleration. But if you were to look back now, what's the the key achievements? If you had to give you flagship moments, what what are they for you? So I, I would say. Um, no, working in a startup, uh, it, it's it's different than working in a in a bootstrapped or a company which is growing slowly. Uh, back, as opposed to one like us, we are we are VC backed. We had like a lot of investments. We uh, we had exponential growth. Uh, so you can't really rely that you will be uh, you know trained for for the job that you're taking over. Uh, so this is uh, this this should be an, uh, an assumption that if you are uh, starting your job in a startup, you're going to have to learn at the job. Um, and especially startups are full of young people. As I said, I joined basically fresh out of college, uh, as did most of my team, as did most of everyone. I think at one point, like the average age of the company was uh, 27, 28, something like this. And it was a 300 people strong company. Um, so you don't really, I mean, um, and coupled with the fact that there's no automotive industry, like the last, uh, as I said, Yugo was the last thing that was built, uh, that was you know engineered here. Um, so it, you have to you have to rely uh, on your 
on your teammates uh, that they will get the job done knowing full well that they also don't have the necessary skill set. You know, they, ha- they don't have experience. Not even like uh, they don't have the... They haven't passed the test of time. I mean, all of us, we haven't passed the test of time. We haven't been doing this for 10 years. And this is the first time we've been entering into this uh, into this industry. So automotive for us, everything was new. So it was, it, as I said, it's not for everyone. Um, you have to be honest to yourself uh, if if you're considering uh, working in a startup. It's going to be it's going to be tricky. So we had some colleagues who left. Obviously, not everyone stuck around. Not many people said, "Okay, I don't want to do this. I want to have a, a bit more structure in my life." That was the, like for for the ones that left. Uh, that was like the biggest biggest uh, I would say um, reason. Uh, the chaos. It's 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 true. It's it's nothing to to run away from. If you grow a company from zero to two thousand people in in just a matter of years, there's going to be chaos. Luckily, we've managed to uh, like grab the tiger by the tail finally, and uh, we've invested a lot of time in, in, in a lot of time a lot of energy into reducing the chaos. It's still a bit more chaotic than you would find in in other companies, uh, but. Going back, so that's like the the uh, the necessary context. Uh, so your question, like, what what is what are the moments? I w- I would say, uh, as I said, you you'll you'll get a job, you'll get a task, you'll get a project. You'll know very little about it. You have only yourself, and 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 you can rely only on self, yourself and your team uh, to figure it out. Uh, and that's basically it. You have to just power through it, work through it. Uh, and I would say, you know, in this crucible is what what, what builds you in a startup. Like handling, handling the unknowns, uh, scaling the company, like bringing in uh, a million people. There isn't really a recipe on how to how to achieve this. Honestly, it's a matter of survival. It's a matter of grit, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's mindset. Yeah, but yeah, mindset. Exactly. Exactly. So you you tend to hire. You know, it, it start it starts with one crazy guy, obviously. Uh, he hires people who he thinks are similar to him. Uh, then those people in turn hire people who are similar to them, meaning like this culture, let's say this, uh, let's uh, like just do it. Let's do it. You know, let's not think too hard about what can go wrong. Let's let's focus on what we want to achieve. Uh, you get burned a lot of times. You mess up. You spend a lot of time fixing the mistakes you made. But yeah, it's it's basically mindset, mindset, and uh, when when you when you manage to achieve it, then you get to then you get to you know when you close a certain chapter, a certain milestone, a project, whatever, then you get a very very brief moment uh, in time where you say, okay, let's let's do a little re- retrospective and see what did we do right, what did we do wrong, uh, try to write it down, uh, and and learn from it. Uh, yeah, so that's that's basically it. Yeah. One thing we we touched on, we touched on previously, which I think is really impressive, is um, not just hiring correctly, but to scale to scale a team within such a short space of time, retaining people, which is equally as hard in in, in this market, whilst also having a high performing and it's a demanding culture. How have you balanced all of that? Because that is that's that's one of the hardest challenges for anybody in the in, in the. Yeah. Uh, so. Uh, it was extremely difficult because I, I think in 2019, as I said, there was like 20 of us. In 2021, there was like 30, maybe. At uh, 2020, sorry, there was like 30-ish, something like this. And then COVID struck 
lockdowns, you know, people you weren't really looking to relocate half over Europe to Croatia of all places to work on cars. No, no. You told me if you, you know, if you told me let's do microchips in I don't know in uh, Bosnia or Slovenia, uh, and I have to move from UK. Same same applies. It's like this. Like, why would I go to Croatia to build cars? Why would I go to Slovenia to work on new processors? No disrespect to Slovenia. I'm, I'm, <laughs> no, no, <laughs> not so. Obviously, uh, they're they're neighboring countries, so they popped to, popped to my head first. Uh, so it it was challenging. So w- there was this barrier, convincing people to relocate. Uh, remote work was you know started like three years ago. At that point, like remote work was uh, suddenly mandatory. People liked it. People started demanding it. We had to adapt to that as well. Uh, but to be honest, uh, what we what we noticed is that we we didn't struggle too much. Uh, I mean, you know better than anyone. Uh, you, we worked together on, on on scaling the team on hiring for the past two years. I think how long has it been? Yeah, something like something like this. Um, as I said, you, you knew uh, when we talked to the candidates uh, what what uh, attracted them. Uh, we you know we were building something new. We have proven it up to a point. So people saw test drives. People saw journalists driving the cars. Uh, they knew if they were following the the, uh, the 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 industry, they knew that we were develop, developing the battery pack for the Valkyrie, for example, the infotainment system as well. Uh, that we were, I don't know, doing a lot of uh, cool stuff like the uh, the, the electrified Jag. Um, yeah, that was one of the the one that well, Pr- Prince Harry and Meghan drove on their wedding. Um, uh, that one that was we we were uh, involved in electrifying uh, that one so the battery pack and inverters and everything and stuff like that uh, stuff like that so uh, we got this so you know even though the, this is maybe not the strongest brand we were main we managed when we started talking to people and uh, they were like oh I I know you guys like you do that you do that cool stuff with you know electric cars you do hyper cars uh, and they were willing to. Uh, so they were, they, as I said, they were enthusiastic. It was easy to to bring them over in you know 2021, 2021. Um, but for the past year, uh, scaling uh, aggressively as we did, so I think we doubled essentially in in the past 12 months. So from 40 people to 80 people. Uh, now that required a different approach. Now you are looking to hire you know 35, 40 people um, into the company. Uh, you you don't achieve that with someone saying, "Oh, you guys, yeah, I'm gonna join you guys." And then you have to, you have to, um, well, sell them the story, sell them what they're going to do, present the projects and everything. Um, that was difficult. Uh, we, I, I, that was difficult for us um, in terms of just interviewing a, a huge number of candidates. But it was difficult as well to integrate all these people uh, into an ongoing project into a company that also doubled in size and, and as you know if, if you've been following you know for our viewers if they've been following the, the the story we had you know the merger the joint venture with Bugatti so that we had a company carve out we carved out the OEM part of the business and merged it with Bugatti that is now called Bugatti Rimac and the remaining part of the company uh, got rebranded as Rimac Technology the tier one part of the business so it was it was Again, it was a huge mess. It was very difficult to achieve on all fronts. Uh, a lot of stuff was happening in the background that I was not even aware of. You know, I know that our legal teams all over the world 
uh, you know, Bugattis, Porsches, Volkswagens, ours, they were trying to figure this out, uh, absorb these this engineering talent and production talent that came with Bugatti and Volkswagen. Uh, at the same time, we had to shift uh, the way that we worked. So previously, it was just uh, a bunch of departments within a single company. Now we are two companies, et cetera, et cetera. And all the while adding, uh, you know, hiring more and more people to meet the demand to to really uh, deliver. And I'm going to go back again. Uh, just a huge role here was played by the existing 40 people who stepped up, who stepped up, as you've seen, you know, we, we draw on a bunch of guys and girls from the team to conduct the interviews, uh, to, you know, screen the candidates to onboard them. And then once they started, uh, the teams had to, if you were, so if team leads were managing five people by the end of 2022, uh, they were managing 10 people, so they had to deliver on the project and onboard these five people to make sure, you know, that they're not frustrated in coming into into a startup, which, you know, the the startup culture, at least uh, in that regard, it's, it's still present. You know, we're we're fast moving, we're growing, we are you know, still young, trying to get things done. There are, of course, missing processes, missing gaps. You don't, you don't, we don't have the luxury of uh, having... You know, one person joining a five-person team and then being onboarded for three months. That's a luxury we cannot afford. That's a process that we don't have set up. And if I'm being honest, I don't think we are aiming to have that, at least for the for the, uh, uh, for the the foreseeable future. I mean, anything can change, but we want to keep this, we want to keep this momentum. We want to, we want to be uh, able to, you know, bring someone over, shake their hands, uh, just pull them immediately into a lab, into the lab car, into the uh, prototype assembly and saying, okay, we're doing this, this and that, follow my lead in three weeks, you're going to have to develop something. And it, it might sound, sound scary. It might, might sound like, uh, like it's, uh, it's, it's really um, a gap on our part. But what we've seen is that this is the part where, this is the part that people like the most. Like they get to work on on things immediately. They get to experience uh, uh, experience the project immediately. They get to be you know close to the car, close to the component, close to the close to the bare metal. Um, so yeah, as I said, like the team did an amazing job again. A very young team that grew four times. So and in the past year, uh, grew doubled. They were man- they managed to to absorb all of this. And I hope I helped. I hope I didn't didn't uh, take away from that. Uh, I think from an outsider looking in, I think one of the USPs I've seen and you've touched on it today is, um, you know, 26 year old David comes in and <laughs> is thrown into Aston Martin working on a BMS development project. Um, and I think there'll be a lot of engineers that are coming through looking at their own individual careers. We've talked about it behind the scenes a little bit about the engineering fundamentals. But what, you know, if you were to go back to helping David when he, was, when he was still in, in college and he, and he was coming through, um, you know, based on the successes you've had, based on the struggles you may have had behind the scenes, you know, what what tips would you be giving to, to, to the younger generation coming through now? Because I think there's a lot of inspiration to be had that you were chucked in the deep end and you managed to really fly with it, as did a lot of people in, 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 in Remac. And I think that's what makes you very, very unique as well. Yeah, so I, I wouldn't advise anyone to follow my my student uh, student days. Follow my <laughs> footsteps there. I, I I have to I have to mention I mention I wasn't the best student to be honest. I I, I had these periods of uh, 
you know, I, I got away with it in elementary school and high school, and I thought I'm gonna, you know, glide through college as well. And then I hit a brick wall, and then I had these ups and downs. Uh, first year went okay-ish, nothing to be proud of too much. On second year, I I, I, I hit a wall. I hit a wall. I I realized, okay, I have to sit down and study. Uh, this isn't going to be easy. And then. Uh, I had the misfortune of, of, you know, failing a couple of classes and that was a wake up call. And as I said, uh, at that time I got in contact with my mentor, Hrvoj Japo, who is a professor at, at the Faculty of Electrical Engineering and Computing. And uh, as I said, we started talking about uh, my current area of interest, uh, which was, as I said, back then as well, microcontrollers and stuff. And I, I remember when I, when I flunked a couple of classes, suddenly my schedule was a bit clear. Uh, I had more time and I said, okay, I can spend my time you know, watching TV and just uh, dealing with the remaining classes or maybe it's probably a better idea to use this uh, misfortune uh, to rectify the the, fail, the pre- previous failures. So I remember shooting him an email and say, hey, Hervoy, like I have a couple of, uh, I have a couple of, um, I have, I have free time. Uh, I know you're always busy with a bunch of projects, you know, and he replied immediately, yeah, sure, come tomorrow, I remember, like, come on, it was Monday, see you on Wednesday, you'll meet the guys who are working on this stuff, and I'll put you in, and um, so the point is, I I was lucky that I had at least this little stroke of genius, uh, uh, when, while I failed, in a sense, I said, okay, let's try and fix this, and I did the best thing possible. I focused on finishing, like I focused on the classes, which I had my workload lowered. Uh, but then I could go full, uh, full steam ahead into projects, into into extra curricular activities. Um, that was, I think, that was the defining moment uh, when you uh, when you have to put uh, certain things that you learned and a lot more that you haven't learned into practice. So basically, it's Rimat's. Uh, light. You show up, you know a thing or two about uh, microcontrollers, in my case, electronics, stuff like this, programming, and then suddenly you need to connect a sensor uh, to uh, a Bluetooth module or something else and display it somewhere, blah, 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 and then you start scratching your head and you have a couple of colleagues uh, from from college uh, working on that as well. You exchange ideas, you spend some night, you know, spend some time in the lab, you hit a wall, you figure it out, and so on. So I think that was like the, uh, that is the main change of habits. Uh, I would say that was that was one of the foundations, the cornerstones uh, that I then took into the work as well. So we, the first company, the second company, so I did like student jobs uh, here and there. And then I got employed into into that IoT company, which is called Byte Lab. Uh, we were also exploring. So the point is, if you're, if you have, if you are able to build this kind of, let's call it curiosity, uh, that when you when you don't know what you're doing, you're not an expert. It's something completely new. Uh, I mean, everything is always new when you're doing engineering. But if you have like zero knowledge of the area that you're trying to tackle, I think that is the that's the most important thing. So, as I said, no one should no one should look at my my student days and say, well, this this is what I should do. But yeah. if there is one thing that you should do, that everyone should do, is uh, try to uh, try to do actual uh, work. Try to 
you know, lab exercises are cool, but it's a laboratory environment. Uh, try to step out of it. Try to step into the wor- real world as far as possible. So, and I would say that there is a, a huge opportunity to do this in Europe uh, and in Zagreb as well. It's called Formula Student, and that is that is one of my biggest regrets. So, and I want to say this: it's hard to have regrets. So, I'm happy with where I am and where I ended up. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So, I, I want to I don't want to talk too much about regrets uh, because you know every 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 mistake and every wise decision led me to where I am. And as I said, I'm content. So I'm always you know, trying to see what's the next challenge, what can I do better. But as, as I said, I don't have a lot of regrets. Uh, but there are things there are things that I probably would have done differently. And formula student, if you want to do if you if you're into automotive in any way, that's like that's perfect. That's like the most amazing thing you can do uh, with your time while studying is you get to put into practice, and you have to you have to do like it, it's a mini company. You essentially have to uh, do project documentation. You have to engineer something that you have no idea about. And then you have to place one of your colleagues in the cockpit to drive that thing around, going like up to 120 kph. It's it's not easy. So what I'm saying is project work and uh, a special mention to Formula Student. I think that's an amazing project if you want to do automotive. If you want to do something else, any kind of industrial, I'm sure there are, there are uh, similar projects to Formula Student. Looking at some of the, the really good engineers out there, some of the technical leaders, some of the, the chief engineers who've done really well in, in the space, I think even we've discussed it when you when you engage with engage with engineers, you look at that blend of skill set, fundamentals of engineering, what they bring into the table. But equally, how key would you say mindset and culture is within a company? There are a couple of those cliches that get thrown around on LinkedIn a lot, like... Uh, when when choosing a company, choose your first boss, right? Uh, so to expand, there's a little bit of truth there. I mean, a lot of, but I hate those cliches uh, because they're cliches. <laughs> yeah. uh, but yeah. the point is uh, the culture of the company and and let's say uh, the pace that things are the pace that things are moving inside. They're very important, I would say. Uh, for me, so I'm not gonna I'm gonna, not gonna say bad things about some but some companies but there are some corp- corporations i mean all corporations eventually so i'm pretty sure at one degree at certain degree it will happen to us as well but they get a bit slower uh you know it's a huge it becomes a huge system uh for me i decided uh that i don't want to um i don't want to be a cog in a ginormous machine uh, that I'm completely unaware of things, that things are moving slowly. I wanted to be thrown into a fire. So uh, if you're looking to, and, and going back to what I said, it's not for everyone. It's, I'm not saying that everyone should work at a startup. Uh, far from it. Maybe, you know, if you want peace and quiet and a, a good good work-life balance, a salary, whatever, there are companies who do amazing things uh, where you will work in a bit more controlled environments and so on. But if you like chaos, like I do, uh, then join yeah. the startup. Join the startup, and then you will spend a couple of those years building inside of chaos and helping to reduce that chaos, and essentially building the things that you claim not to like. In, in my case, you help to build a corporation. I'm joking, of course. We're not a corporation. We're, I mean, we are, but we we still have that. We still have that spirit. We still have that culture. Uh, so these things are very important. Like uh, where you you're going to. Whether you, you you want it or not, uh, you're going to be influenced by the um, 
by the people who surround you. And if you spend like eight to ten hours a day uh, working with some of the colleagues, uh, with your colleagues, and um, the atmosphere there is not ambitious, you're going to blend in. Um, so, yeah, again, without trying, without sounding too uh, too pretentious, uh, I, I would say that at least for me, uh, I had this aha moment, so to speak. Where I said, okay, you know what? I want to go into, you know, I want to go into cutting edge, where I know nothing, and I might get fired for not knowing anything. Uh, but you know, it's a, it's a cheap risk when you're 25. Yeah, and, and to be honest, it's a cheap risk when you're 30 as well. And ask me in five years, I'm gonna probably say the same thing. So um, uh, we joke uh, internally that Rimac is a pressure cooker, right? You get you you learn uh, a lot faster, and I think that applies for all for all for all startups. And when it comes to automotive, there aren't many startups. So, you know, Tesla is probably there still, even though they're like I don't know fifty thousand people or whatever. I, I don't know the numbers, uh, but I get the feeling that you get to from from what I've heard. You know, they are also very fast paced. Uh, I'm assuming the same thing about Rivian, Lucid. Uh, uh, all these companies who have uh, who have uh, been founded in the in the past decade, uh, I'm assuming all of them are are pretty fast paced. Where the opportunity to learn and to grow is humongous, which is ironic because you're going into into uh, an environment that is completely unprepared for what it's facing. So you know, Rimac in 2018 and in, especially in 2013 and 2011, it. The, at, at every step, at every step up until a couple of years ago, uh, we had no idea what we were facing. We had no idea what was around the corner. And as I said, uh, in those kind of environments, I, I I concluded that you grow the most because you know all you have you're in the trenches with your colleagues. You need to solve problems. You need to find a way out. I, I, I totally agree. I, totally, I know that all the project time scales are a lot quicker. Use an engineer with the ownership that you get on things is so much quicker as well. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's 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 um, yeah. As I said, pressure cooker. You know, you you're 26 and you get handed the team. Well, maybe those. And also being honest, you know, as the as the company grows, these kind of crazy opportunities as we are stabilizing a bit, they're kind of disappearing. But we still have. We're still we change it a bit. Okay, now it's not maybe management, but uh, you if you're a young engineer you are uh, entrusted with a with a system so we have you know people who just joined the company who've been working on something they've proven uh, they've demonstrated that they can you know handle a, a bigger chunk of work a bigger responsibility and they you talk to them okay do, do you want to accept more challenges and they say yes fine you're in charge of the rear powertrain you're in charge of uh, the key system you're in charge of the cooling uh, etc it's still happening and that's 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 the emphasis i mean if you're a person who, when asked a question, do you want to take responsibility for something and your first reflex is yes, then definitely join a startup. Definitely join a growing company because those opportunities are abundant. I totally agree and it's, it's, it's great advice. Um, you know, if we look at the, the automotive, the, the motorsport industry, really keen to understand your perspective on that you know what what do you see that's up and coming if people are going to enter the space now and they make a career decision to join it now how do you see especially within ea how do you see from your perspective and what you know of, of what's up and coming 
Yeah, this is the part where I usually start with a big disclaimer saying, I'm no visionary. You know? <laughs> yep. uh, go ask my CEO. He'll answer those questions gladly. He, he loves to make predictions, which oftentimes come true in the form of uh, a multi-billion dollar, dollar business, euro business. Uh, but with that disclaimer in mind, uh, the way I see it, so uh, what you're seeing is uh, software is becoming a huge part of the, uh, part of the automotive industry. Uh, I mean, it, it has been for a while now. Uh, but it, we seem to be into that phase of uh, huge growth. I'm not sure whether to call it still exponential growth. Uh, but there are job ads for software engineers popping in each and every company possible. Um, at the same time, I'm not seeing reductions for mechanical engineers as well. I mean, the automotive business is booming because it's going through a revolution uh, once yes. again. So electrification is basically, uh, you know, we are... I'm not, I'm not going to say we are the industry is back when it was uh, 100 years ago, but it, it, it feels like this. It feels like there is a huge uh, disruption, yeah, to use a bit more cliches. Uh, but there's a huge disruption in, in forms of uh, electrification. That implies a lot of software. The human machine interfaces, the HMIs, you know, the infotainment systems, the screens, the buttons and everything, touch screens, uh, connectivity, blah, 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 all these things, they're becoming, they're trickling down into, into like the lowest market segments. So nowadays when you buy like the cheapest car, it still has like a huge screen. You can connect uh, with uh, Apple CarPlay or uh, Android Auto. Uh, so the point I'm trying to, to make is, uh, there's a huge demand for software engineering uh, in, in automotive in general. It's very different from uh, software engineering in every other industry. Um, I would say, you know, uh, uh, the transport industry, uh, the mission critical industry is very different. There's a lot of care being taken, uh, making sure that whatever you write, uh, any kind of line, any line of code won't kill someone. So, you know, automotive, railway, aerospace, space, military, whatever, they're very, they're a bit slower, uh, that needs to be said, uh, than, you know, IoT or web development or anything of the sort, obviously, where you can, you know, the Facebook famous move fast, break things. It's kind of, yeah, yeah you want to move fast, but you really don't want to break things. You don't want to talk, you don't want to use the words break things when talking about uh, moving something that weighs two tons. Uh, but uh, if you wanna, if you're interested, uh, if, if there are any concerns whether this industry is going to uh, continue employing a bunch of software engineers, I, I don't think there's any concern there. I think if anything, uh, the demand is so ridiculous that uh, Europe is seeing another influx of you know people moving every which way. Uh, you know, people coming from UK to Croatia—that—that's—that's that's unthinkable. That was unthinkable just a decade ago. Uh, people moving from—we uh, had so, for example, I mean, okay, we are also specific, but for all the other companies as well, coming all over the pl place. Uh, anyone who wants to work on uh, automotive software, they're just—you know—there's just such a huge demand. You've obviously covered quite a few key areas there. Is there any—is there any specific areas that you'd you'd highly recommend people to? Not necessarily just specialising, but pay specific attention to over the next few years. Yeah, we we so we especially here in, in locally, as I said, being the first kind of uh, automotive company of this magnitude, 
uh, our colleagues, when we visit the, the universities or when the students join us, they ask us the same thing, like, oh, what should I focus on? And we give them the same answer, like, forget about becoming an automotive specialist. At least that's, that's maybe, someone might say, some, some embedded software manager from a different company might say something different, but at least for us, I would say that um, learning the domain, handling the domain is a skill that gets learned uh, well, not not easily. There's a learning curve. There's a period, you know, a period of time. But if you have your engineering fundamentals, if you're a good, if you're a good programmer, if you know your, uh, if you know basics of electronics, if you, uh, I don't know, um, know basis of communication protocols, uh, whichever they might be, you know, just uh, if you mastered uh, what you are being taught uh, at at a university, and you have any kind of real life. Uh, experience any kind of project that you did you know from scratch that you did something that wasn't uh, just uh, dry uh, university work but even even if you haven't done anything even even if you've just just quote unquote uh, did your job well at the university grappling those basics of engineering figuring out a domain is very easy so without oversimplifying it too much if if you know embedded and you want to develop ECUs uh, in an automotive company, uh, it's not necessarily it's not necessary that you are you know Autosar, you mastered Autosar, something like this. Like I, I would say, any any student that's focusing their time mastering Autosar, I would say they're wasting their time, honestly, because not not because it's stupid or unnecessary, but because it's something that you will learn so much quicker in a company. It's something if if you can if you can get exposed to it, fine, but uh, you shouldn't any anyone considering moving to automotive they shouldn't uh, think too much again it, it will it will be different from company to company from department to department sometimes you're looking for that you you know project demands a senior that knows their shit but if you are willing to you know take maybe a junior role or have some kind of a period where you're learning I, I would say uh, that if you have good engineering fundamentals that you will learn and you will master the domain very quickly at least that has been our experience because, again, we cannot rely, if we are hiring locally, we cannot rely on hiring someone who uh, who has uh, tremendous experience in automotive. We hire someone based on you know their critical thinking, their uh, knowledge of the fundamentals of engineering, uh, and we teach them on the job uh, in a matter of months. And they very quickly, they get onboarded very quickly. They pick up all the things. As I said, if you have good foundations, every building like a couple of walls on top of those, those foundations, it's easy. It, it's, it's a unique philosophy and it's, and it's really, really good advice. It's really good advice. And I think, you know, taking from that, it's wait until you enter the commercial world where naturally you can progress into a specialist yeah. rather than, you know, rather than focusing on becoming a specialist yeah, before yeah. you enter the world, which is... Yeah. It's, it's I mean, personally, that was that was my mistake. As I said, you know, um, I knew about Rimac, for example, and I wanted to do, I wanted to work on cars. Uh, but what was, uh, yeah, that mistake that I had back then was I was kind of scared. I, I noticed, okay, they're doing battery management system, vehicle control units. I, I know nothing about this. Why would they even hire me? Ah, even if they hire me, they're gonna fire me like in in two months. Like, where, where would I learn this? And that was, thankfully, it didn't last long. That mindset. Uh, but when I joined, they were like, fine, chill. Of course you don't know anything. No one does. Like that guy also, he doesn't know anything, but look at him. He's working on it. He's going to figure it out in two months. 
And the same applied for me. Like a couple of months later, I got better. And then a couple of months later, I got even better. Uh, the same goes for all of our colleagues. So uh, nowadays, when we have someone, you know, students, I've not, I remember like one guy who joined uh, in like, I think it was May or June. A month later, I saw him in the prototype assembly room. Nevera was on a lift with doors open, with bonnets open. He was connected and he was doing something. And I feel like, oh, like, oh my God, he joined like a month ago and he was already doing something. He, you know, he, he got it. So, yeah, use that example. Think of that guy who joined the company and a month later, he was already doing something. Why? Because he was a, a clever guy and a good engineer. He wasn't a good automotive specialist. He was just a good engineer. Just a good engineer. Just a good engineer. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, uh, are you ready for your, your big million dollar question? So, key, key thing here. So, why develop a career within the automotive industry from, from your perspective? Everything you've learned, the journey you've been on with Remac, you know, anybody who's looking to maybe come into this space, what's the big whys for you, David? Why do you want to go here? So, um, I would say... Um, without going again trying to avoid too many cliches again um, I would say if if you have if you're forcing forcing yourself into it then it doesn't make any sense if you're doing it because I don't know you think you're going to become rich or whatever it doesn't really make sense I, I think that that advice applies for for anything yeah. everything all, all good things will come as a consequence uh, but if you are motivated by something that should be a consequence you're not going to do it right so uh, for me you know I have, when I graduated, a couple of my friends, uh, I went into Embedded because I liked it. A couple of my friends, they did computer science and they are now employed in Google, Facebook, whatever. Um, they had a different career path, but uh, the point is all of us, we didn't think we were in part, uh, I'm not saying, you know, again, follow your dreams is a stupid cliche. Don't, don't follow your dreams. They might, your dreams are dreams for a reason. They might lead you astray. But if you, if you, um, if you, if there is a spark of interest and, and you can, you can see yourself doing something, then, then I say, go ahead. For me, it was cars. Uh, and, and also for me, it was a bit different. As I said, there was no, at one point I've given up on that. As I said, like there's no automotive industry here. I'm not going to move to Germany. I'm going to do IOT. That's also embedded. That's cool. So, uh, but then when the opportunity presented cars, hmm, yeah, I went, always wanted to do cars and I got into it and then I kind of rediscovered this passion. Uh, and I remember also one of my colleagues, he asked me like, I remember when you came, like you weren't a car guy, you weren't, you, you didn't, you know, you didn't race cars, <laughs> for example, for a lot of my colleagues, that's a hobby. Like you say, yeah, I said, like when I was a kid, I wanted to do it. And then I got, I kind of gave up on that dream and then it resurfaced. So yeah, if you, if you need to take, you need to take uh, a lot of things into account, but if you can, uh, you can see yourself doing it, then, then do it. If you want to do it, do it. If, if there are things in your life preventing you from doing it, then don't force it, obviously. So I'm not, as I said, I'm not going to say follow your dreams. I think that's a wrong advice for a lot of people. If my dream was painting, that would be a terrible advice for me to follow yeah. my dreams. I'm, I'm not, a, <laughs> I'm, I'm completely untalented. Uh, but I had, I had, um, I had like this uh, spark, uh, this interest in me for, for the automotive industry, coupled with, you know, engineering in general. So, no, a lot of pieces, they kind of fell into place. 
So the point is, if you if you think you can do it and you want to do it, then do it. But if you have doubts whether you want to do it or you if, whether you have doubts if you can do it, uh, then, then don't do it. <laughs> no, that, that underlying passion is absolutely key. It gets you through the days where ultimately you don't want to work. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah that's, that's important. Uh, if you're going into something knowing that it's difficult, then passion is a must. Because to be honest, uh, as I said, you know, back when I joined, uh, not knowing anything, there were overtimes. There were there was a lot of things that would would prevent the uh, lack of passion in, in a certain other area would have prevented me from you know going the extra mile as we as we say. Yeah, obviously, trying to be a racing driver, then sacrificing that, and then playing a key role in designing the Navara is not a bad compromise. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Actually, first it was a mechanic. Mechanic, yeah. then a racing driver, <laughs> then, and then, then en- yeah. entrance of embedded. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. I think there's loads to take from this for for, for the listeners, people who it's a slight different twist on the philosophy of, of progressing your career, which has clearly produced a lot of success both within your team, both within Remac as a business. And uh, yeah, I'll just thank you very much for, for for coming on. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. It's, as always, a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks, David. Thank you, Ferris.